Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Spa Strong Podcast, episode three. The last episode, we discussed what Spa Strong is and what our mission is. And our mission is empowering estheticians through boundaries, balance, health, and safety. And so in this episode, we'll be diving deep into boundaries and um, explaining to you guys why boundaries are important, why you need them for everyday life, why you need them in business, in the aesthetics world. And um, yes, we're excited. Yep. I'm Melissa Ellis. And I'm Royal Ellis. And here we are. Let's do this. All right. So before we dive in, um, for those of y'all who have been following Spa Strong, you know that I've written a book called Boundaries in Aesthetics, Maintaining Boundaries as a Spa Professional. And this book is so important in my personal opinion. It's so many things that I wish I had known when I started my aesthetics career and even when I was mature in my aesthetics career, um, when I had my business and working with clients and everything. So I, I just want to read a couple of paragraphs that come from the introduction. It says, you probably don't naturally think of boundaries when you think of your career path as a spa professional, but I promise they are totally applicable. We know we need to set boundaries with our needy friends or pushy relatives, but we don't always think to set and preserve them with our clients and coworkers too. Boundaries are important because they paint a clear picture of what parameters are expected and accepted in a situation or relationship. They are absolutely necessary in our professional lives. And if we set correct boundaries up front, we are usually able to prevent most conflict or frustrations that could come up later on down the road. So boundaries, yeah. they're parameters that help people know what is and isn't okay yeah, in so a situation or relationship. It's a line in the sand. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, you know, as an esthetician, we're thinking so much about like treatments and products and ingredients and skin conditions and like the actual work that we're doing with our hands as estheticians, but there's so much that we need to know in order to have a strong business and in order to maintain, um, you know, strong client relationships and things like that. And part of protecting yourself, protecting your business is setting and maintaining these appropriate and professional spa boundaries. Correct. And honestly, a lot of the stuff, I mean, boundaries translate into every aspect of our lives. We have boundaries in like every relationship. Yeah, we have boundaries in every relationship. Um, but it seems like what I've noticed in the aesthetics world is that the boundaries you have in other relationships don't really, don't really go with the ones you have in your... Like, are like you, in, your, in your career. Like, are you saying that you know you should have boundaries, but you just don't yeah, for, implement when, them? No, because when money comes into play, then you get, then your brain gets foggy. Yeah, that's like, very then, true. And then you don't, yeah, then those boundaries get limited mm -hmm. to what these, you know, to, to allow people to do certain things. That you wouldn't normally allow. want. Yeah. It's like, so I think, I mean, for example, when I started my spa, when I first opened my doors... I didn't have a cancellation or a no-show or a late policy. Yeah, you were wild. I know. Yeah, you were wild. <laughs> I seriously was. And it's so awful because I know I knew that I needed one. Like in the medical spa I worked in, we had one. Even when I was in aesthetic school, the 
there was one in the student spa for clients who came and did services with students. Um, but I didn't do it because I felt like, I felt like, um, by having that policy in place that it was going to be asking too much of my potential customers. Like it was going to inconvenience them and then they weren't going to want to come back because they'd want to go to somebody who just made it an easier process for them. Not, no, now you said, verify what you said you didn't have. You didn't have a cancellation policy. Right? A no-show policy, no policy, late policy. That's like driving a vehicle without a windshield and a seatbelt. I mean, kind, kind of. You're going straight through it. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, I mean, that was a bad analogy. If that's called, that's an analogy, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's a bad analogy. No, but I mean, I, I get what you're saying. Like, you're asking for trouble. Yeah. And, and I really was because my clients had, first of all, they had no accountability. They had no reason to show up. They had no reason to be honest with me if they came in for a treatment and didn't really want to come back for a second treatment. They could just be like, oh, yeah, sure, let's book the appointment. And then there was no repercussion on them if they didn't come back. But then I thought that my books were full because I had all these clients who, by the way, had bought Groupons. Which, so they weren't coming back. They, that's another topic for another day. I didn't do myself any favors for the beginning of my spa. I'm like, let's have no cancellation policy. Let's run a Groupon. Yee! But anyway, so I thought my books were full. So I wasn't out looking for clients in any other ways. Like I wasn't utilizing social media the way I should have. I wasn't doing any cold calling or I didn't have a strong referral program. Like there were so many things I could have been doing to increase the traffic through the doors of my spa. But I had these people who were like, oh yeah, let me book a return appointment. But they were just one-time Groupon purchasers who literally had zero, even if they loved the lashes or whatever, they had zero intention of coming back, but they had no reason to tell me that because I didn't have any boundaries. I didn't have a cancellation policy in place. Exactly. I, I, and I was scared to do that because I was like, oh, they have, they have so many options. Like this is such a saturated market. And so if I make it inconvenient for them, then they'll go to somebody simpler and like, then I won't make any money. Well, hello, you're not making any money if your books are full of people who don't show up. Exactly. It's about quantity over quality. Wait. Quality over... <laughs> my fault. My bad. My bad. Quality <laughs> over quantity. Yep. I felt good saying it and coming out, but then when I mixed up my words, I didn't have the same impact. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah. Exactly. So speaking of quality over quantity, that's one of the five topics that we discuss in the Boundaries and Aesthetics book. So I go over five ways that you can set and preserve and implement important boundaries that are meant to help protect you as a professional and protect your business and to help your clients have trust in you as their skincare authority and as an actual professional. So the first one is the client packet, which are all the intake forms that you should be using and the documentation that you should be making as an esthetician when you're working with people and their skin. Number two is respect your prices which basically discusses standing up for the prices that you pick and picking prices that are appropriate and that aren't undermining your value or undermining the industry as a whole. I talk about not giving into negotiators and how to utilize discounts or sales appropriately. And then three, like Royal mentioned, is quality over quantity, which is kind of hard to explain in just a short little sentence, but essentially it's recognizing which clients 
actually are worth your effort. <laughs> not to say that, exactly. not to say that like you have bad clients. I mean, so I guess sometimes there are bad clients that you actually need to end client relationships. And there's a section about that in the book, but recognizing which clients require the least amount of effort, but bring in the most amount of positive impact or income. revenue or yeah, income yeah. or positive experience into your spa and knowing where to focus your time and your efforts. And then number four is boundaried conversations. And this section talks about uh, social media and dealing with um, dissatisfied clients, but it also talks about making sure that your spa facility or your treatment room are a safe place, not only for your clients, but also for yourself. And then number five is keep your own rules where I discuss understanding why you have policies in place and having the courage to stand up for them, but also knowing when you can have some leeway as far as like enforcing a fee or if there are some that are super black and white and you have to follow through, those kinds of things. But I mean, those are just five examples of ways that you should be implementing boundaries within your spa. But really, I feel like they go into life as well. Like so many of the principles in these book, in this book, um, I feel like would benefit your life. Like we're always going to have people who try to push our boundaries, who maybe think that they can debate or negotiate their way into getting us to do things that we don't want them to. Uh, I mean, I think about going back to aesthetics, like clients who come in and they're like, well, I have a friend who had a, I don't know, a microneedling appointment and her skin looks really good. So I want that right now too. But they've never used anything but Dove soap on their face. Yeah, they're not even ready for that. Exactly. Like, it's, 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 it's a process. Yeah. Royal's not an esthetician and he I already know that. knows that. Like, like, that's a process, <laughs> man. You can't just, yeah. I've taught you so well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but no, exactly. But there are some estheticians out there who, I mean, hopefully not many, but there are some out there who are so afraid of losing that immediate paycheck that maybe they're willing to treat somebody too aggressively too soon because they want to make that money. But then they realize that they lose the next paycheck because you F your clients up now. Exactly. And now they're like, yo, what the hell? And you're like, like oh. I trusted you. Yeah, and it's like, and they're like, well, that's what you wanted, even though you weren't ready. Well, if you weren't ready, how come you didn't tell me? Exactly. Like, now I don't want to come back to you. Exactly. So you mess, so you really mess yourself up exactly. for a quick check. So it's sometimes, I mean, you're going to have to go through a little bit of discomfort um, hold on. Let me pull up my notes really quick because Brittany Brown said it's so great. I love her so much. I told you though, if you listen to the last episode, she's a Brene Brown fanatic. Yes. So go ahead, Belisa. Um, so her, uh, her mantra is choose discomfort over resentment. So it's, it can be uncomfortable to set and enforce a boundary. It can be uncomfortable to tell a client, Hey, I know you had your heart and soul set on this appointment today. But as a skincare authority, I highly recommend we take a different route. The reasons being X, Y, and Z. And if we're able to get your skin ready, you are going to have a much better experience. You can have much better results. You'll have a much lower risk of an adverse reaction. I want you to have the skincare. I want, I want you to have the skin that you are dreaming of, but 
based on your situation and these factors. Yeah, there's a process. So let's work together. Let me answer any questions you have because I want you to be totally on board with this. But let's do this together and keep you safe and make your skin as optimal as possible. Like, I don't think people really realize how important like skin is. No. And how much it processes. It's like, like I don't just go to the dentist and tell them, yo, I, I, want, my, I want those Invisalign. Well, what's the process? Because mm -hmm. I remember I went to the dentist and I said I wanted Invisalign. Mm -hmm. And they were like, okay, hold on. First of all, you're going to need about four other treatments first. Mm -hmm. So your Invisalign will come sometime in a year and a half. Mm -hmm. And then, then we can talk about it. But you got to get stuff going first. Right. Like, like Exactly. You know? But, I mean, think of the regular, like, you're not a dentist. You don't have the background. Exactly. But right? they're the expert. I know. But that's what I'm saying is that clients come in and they're like, oh, I heard about this amazing thing. It makes sense to me that if I'm willing to pay for it, I should be able to get it right now. Mm -hmm. And as the expert, aren't you grateful that your dentist was like, hey, let's work on getting your gums right first. Let's work on getting, like, these other things right first yeah. so that you get the best benefit as possible from the Invisalign instead of you just spending all the money and then having problems for it later on. Yeah, if you're spending money's money. So how much is a regular like like for like for a pill or skin pill? Like oh how my much gosh. I mean I like to see pills priced anywhere from like a hundred dollars up. A hundred dollars up. Okay, Invisalign is like seventeen hundred dollars. Yeah. If I'm paying seventeen hundred dollars or a hundred dollars, I want the best bang for my buck. Seriously. So the best bang for my buck is me doing a process first, mm -hmm. then getting everything I want at the end. Mm -hmm. Because we're in a world where everything is right now. We want yeah, everything right seriously. now. Like, it's a rush. Everything's a rush. Seriously. And, um, but yeah, you know, I don't want to get it too off on a tangent. No, but, but I think you're absolutely right. Because, you know, you come in knowing, like, hey, $1,700 or even $100 or $250 or whatever it is that you're charging for the more aggressive treatment that the client is looking for. Like that's a lot of money to somebody or to a lot of people. And so for them to come in and they're all excited and they're like, I really, really want this, but they're asking for it because they saw somebody else who has totally different skin, a completely different routine, completely different history. Who did the process probably have, correctly. Right. And they had great results from it, but they don't understand. They don't have the background and training that you have as the skincare professional. So you are doing them a disservice by not letting them know hey, I understand you want this, but let's take a step back. There are other things that we need to do first, and that's non-negotiable. Like, it has to be done out of safety for you, out of, and honestly, out of safety for yourself as the professional. So, um, unfortunately, just like Royal was saying, there are people who throw tantrums. So, like, I want it right now. They have their mindset on something. They aren't looking for no to be their answer, even though it's not... It's probably not no, never. It's probably just not right now. Not right now. And it's like, and if, you, and if they can't handle that, then that's the quantity that you don't want. Right. You want quality clients. Exactly. And, you know, they understand, they respect you, your prices, your knowledge. Mm hmm. You know, so. Yeah, exactly. And sometimes we have a tendency, like, I don't know if it's just because it, it's like, our stress hormones or what it is, but we have a tendency to assume the worst possible thing is going to happen. And so we don't want to tell that client, like go through that moment of discomfort to be like, oh, hey, actually this isn't a good idea. I mean, I hope you don't say it in like such a timid way, but 
we assume, oh, if I say something, then they're going to get really mad or they're not going to come back. You don't know that. Don't limit that client to being such a low down dog by exactly. being like, oh, but if I told them no, they would have been angry and come back. You don't know. You need to assume We're that adults, you're, right? yeah, that they're adults, that they're rational, like rational, reasonable, decent human beings. And a rational, reasonable, decent human being isn't going to get angry at you. They might be disappointed, but they're not going to be angry when you're like, hey, I understand that you want this now, but because you have been working out in the sun 24 hours a day for the past like two months, you're prone to having burns. You're prone to having hypopigmentation, hyperpigmentation, scarring, etc. if we follow through the, with this treatment now. So let's take a minute and figure out how we can change your lifestyle to help prepare you for this treatment. That's what they want. They're going to trust you more by putting their health and their safety first instead of just letting the client take the reins. It's like, I, uh, I believe I mentioned this in the last episode, that yes, you work for the client, so to speak, but it's all under your rules. Like you've written out the protocols. You're the one who says how things go. It's not the client who calls the shots. You need to be the one to call the shots so that you're the one keeping your client safe and protecting your business. Because if you decide that you feel bad and you don't want to make them angry and you're so desperate for money, you really need this client, so you follow through with a treatment that you shouldn't and something happens, what happens if they take you to litigation? Like what happens if they try to sue you and you don't have any good reason for why you did it? Well, didn't you go to aesthetic school? Didn't you learn that this is supposed to be done this way, this way? Look, we subpoenaed your your tests and we saw that you actually got this answer right that says this very thing. So isn't this something that you knew? Then why did you follow through and treat this client the way you shouldn't oh, have? Woo. And scary. all this will happen and this will be like a year in the making. All mm-hmm. this lawsuit, all this stuff, all this stuff. When probably a year and a half ago, all you had to say was, no, I think we should do it this way. Mm-hmm. No, I think we should do it this way. And that would have saved you so much stress, right. so much trouble, right? so much financially, like losing money, mm-hmm. everything. Yeah. Like, wow. If you would have just changed your words. If you would have just had boundaries. Yep. And, it, and maybe they don't even take you to court. They could have a horrible experience because you tra- traded them inappropriately and or too aggressively too soon. And then they could write reviews. They could tell everybody they know not to go to you. I mean, one bad experience, unfortunately, can cause a lot of damage to your business. And so I know that that's kind of on... I mean, maybe some of you were like, wow, this all sounds really extreme, but these are things that happen. And actually, speaking of which, I just read an article the other day that was specific to lash extensions and false lashes, but it talked about how over 26% of the lash techs in the world or in the United States don't have liability insurance. (laughs) You guys, and I'm sure that the number is actually bigger than that because there are probably tons of lash techs that have you know, not great certifications that aren't tracked or who are claiming to be lash artists, but they learn about it on YouTube, you know, those kinds of things. So there are tons of people out there who are doing lash extensions and not having liability insurance. I don't care if you're doing lashes. I don't care if you're doing pedicures. I don't care if you're doing brow tints, like whatever. If you are working on a client in this industry, 
You need to have liability insurance. You have got to, ladies, please. I didn't even know you read that interview. I mean, I didn't even know you read that article, mm -hmm. but I'm willing to bet it's probably they don't think they need liability insurance because they have the policies that the clients sign. Oh, the forms? The forms. Well, and, Which but is a still stupid. Them, a ton of them don't but, even use forms. I like, know, but like, yeah, yeah, it's crazy. No, it's true. That's crazy. Man. Even if you have paperwork that you're using. Cover your ass. Seriously. C-Y-A. Yes. Like, have liability insurance. And even if please. it costs a little bit extra money. Well, if you change your clients into quality over quantity, you'd probably be able to afford it. And if you were charging the prices that you should that be you charging. That you should, exactly. But, I, I mean, my liability insurance wasn't that expensive. I want to say it was somewhere between like 20 and 40 bucks a month. Like, it wow. wasn't bad. You spend that on hot Cheetos. You spend that on hot Cheetos. I spend more than that on hot Cheetos. Oh my gosh. <laughs> we got to work on your diet. <laughs> I'm, I'm a physical specimen. <laughs> you are a it physical like, specimen. It looked like somebody drew me. Sitting there gorgeous with all that hot Cheeto dust around your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Stuck to your beard. <laughs> I'm in shape. Leave me alone. Okay. Regardless. Um... Have liability insurance and set boundaries. It's not just with treatments and letting the client know how they need to be treated that you need to have boundaries. There are also policies that you should have within your spa that should be implemented and should be stood up for. We've already talked about cancellation policy. Of course, if you you're not making money unless you have somebody in your treatment room. And if somebody no-shows, that's a full whether it's a 15 minute brow wax or a two and a half hour long volume set, that's a lot of time that you could have been making money off of somebody else. And so you need to protect yourself by letting your clients know that there are expectations and there are gonna be repercussions if they don't come in. You need to have their credit card information on file, period. Don't try to Venmo somebody a cancellation fee or a no-show fee. They are not going to fulfill that payment. Trust me from oh, personal man. experience. Oh, well, I had I thought I had her card information, but I made the mistake of letting her fill in her she, own card she info. Got she got you. She got me. She yep. got me. And then she no-showed her next appointment, and the card was a fake number. And then I tried to Venmo her. How would you feel? Like, how stupid. I mean, you felt stupid. I right? felt stupid, and I felt angry. And then I changed my policy after that. See, learn from my mistakes. Have a cancellation policy from day one, and if you don't yet, it's okay. Type up the forms, or you can get them on the Spa Strong website, and just um, let your clients know, hey, I just, you know, welcome back to the spa. I'm implementing a new policy. We're having a cancellation late policy. Go ahead and fill out this portion, sign at the bottom, and then hand me your credit card, and I'll be able to enter in your info. Melissa? will help you guys so much with any questions you have about what you should be charging, especially for your state, about just like policies and what you should have or shouldn't have. Hell, if she's not available, you can ask me and I can tell you what you need to have and I'm not even an esthetician. <laughs> Royal, again, Royal loves to look up like the esthetician forums and he does a lot of research on what y'all are charging and what services y'all are offering and everything like that. And he'll come to me and he'll be like, Hey, is it normal for somebody to charge $35 for a full set of classic lashes? And it breaks my heart because first of all, you shouldn't be charging $35 for a full set of classic lashes. And in fact, I remember seeing people charging $35 for a full set of volume lashes, which is absolutely absurd. Man. Like handmade fans, volume lashes. Oh my gosh. Don't even get me started. But like, 
uh, I'm sorry, I'm having a mental breakdown because it just breaks my heart. Like if you do not charge what you are worth, then you're not only cheapening yourself, you're cheapening this entire industry as a whole. And speaking of pricing, start thinking like a consumer. Imagine that you're walking down the street and you really need to get a haircut. And you see on one side of the street, there's a shop offering haircuts for $15. And the other side of the street, there's a shop offering haircuts for $55. Which one are you going to go to? Yeah. Royal, which one would you go to? Well, the $55 one. But I have experience. But why? Hold on. Talk about oh, it yeah, because I'm assuming they're going to do a Better. good job. Exactly. Like, but I have literally this experience. Okay, cool. With a haircut. When you went to Supercut? Yes. Oh. <laughs> All right, listen, you guys. Listen. Just a little off topic. So, I'm black. Okay. <laughs> Melissa's white. I go to, like, I go to barbers. I can cut my hair. Usually, you know, there's there's a few white barbers that I know that can cut my hair. But for the most part, like, in my community, in the black world, it's either black barbers, Samoan, Hispanics. Mm-hmm. Like, you're not really going to see too many like white people that cut, that cut black people hair, even though I know a few. So, so the day we were going to get engaged. I didn't know. It was yeah, a surprise. Yeah, it was a surprise. I went to, well, my barber was booked. And actually, my barber's prices went up. And so it was like, yo, it's about an hour, two hour wait, but our prices went up. I'm like, all right, man, I'll be back. So I needed a haircut. I needed something cheap, quick, and fast. I went to Supercuts. <laughs> holy, what they said when you first walked in. Holy S-H-I-T. <laughs> so I went in. They had me put my information in. And as soon as I sat in the chair, the woman was like, okay, just so you know, we don't do lineups. <laughs> I was like, what the hell? We do not do lineups. For, okay. y'all, for those of y'all who don't know, a lineup is very, very common for black men to ask for when black, they go yeah, to Yeah, black the men and Hispanics. Mm-hmm. And um, it's like when we cut our hair short, they just line like the... Your hairline. Our hairline. Like line, line it up. We get a lineup. She's like, just so you know, we don't do that. I was like, okay, asshole. Like, <laughs> how you know I want a lineup? I do, but Jesus. <laughs> she, she made an accurate assumption. Yes, it was very accurate. She lets you know up front instead of attempting to do it and messing it up yes so i think the haircut was 20 bucks my barber shop went up to 40 mm-hmm. so i went to this place when i say she effed me up <laughs> like bad <laughs> bad I, at my barber shop i'm in the chair for about an hour mm-hmm. maybe 45 to an hour i was in this chair for 10 minutes oh my gosh you're right it was super it was bad 10 minutes i had a it looked, I had a bowl cut, just a line on the like going around my head, like a like a just a. I was effed up, y'all. Like I'll post some of the wedding pictures eventually. I was say, well, the engagement pictures. The after, engagement pictures. After we air this episode, we'll post a picture of one of our engagement pictures so, so like, you can see Royal's haircut from earlier that day. Up. I was, was jacked bad. up. But now, because you were like, oh, forty dollars. That's more than I yeah, want. Now pay. I paid at forty. I go to my guys, like, <laughs> like, like, and it has nothing to do with a woman cutting my hair. My one of my last barbers, she was a woman, and she was she was dope. Yeah, so it's nothing to do with that. But this woman and this place supercuts. I hate you if you're listening. <laughs> if you work that supercuts and you did this to people's hair, I hate you. Royal, stop! No, it. you can unsubscribe if you're listening <laughs> to this. And you did my hair. My name is Royal Ellis. I stop hate it. you. Stop it. Stop it. Anyway, stop let's it. move on. Royal. I'm still. That hurt my feelings, man. That messed me up with my engagement. I know, but listen. You chose the cheap route. I know. 
So is it really her fault or is it your fault? What if she knows she's garbage? Maybe she didn't know she's garbage. Maybe you were the first black person she'd ever worked you on. You know, I'm really good for the job. Anyway, go to the more expensive place. Sorry I went off on a tangent. I apologize. I don't hate you. I just dislike you a lot. Oh my gosh. Okay, so moving on. The point is Royal learned from personal experience that sometimes you get what you pay for. And our clients, the consumers think that way. They think, okay, if I go to the $15 place then i'm probably i can't It'll look like me when it's over i need a second i can't even believe you <laughs> what you're just freaking out i hate you oh my gosh you were the biggest baby really hurt my feelings that was the day my life was going to change and i proposed to my <laughs> and i proposed to my best friend i can't get a decent haircut she tore me up <laughs> Garland, shout out to my boy Alex. They always hook me up. I know. <laughs> hey man, I don't know. Y'all oh feel my me. gosh! I'm okay. sorry, you guys. <laughs> but listen, <laughs> if there's a big section edited out of this episode, there ain't. No, we ain't editing this. Nah, they knowing how I feel. Okay. Anyway, so the point is, when you lower your prices, you're telling people that you don't have confidence in your abilities. You're telling people that um, they're not going to get a great experience. And so you'll still attract clients, but they're not going to be the quality clients that are planning to be there long term. They're going to be the one timers who are like, oh, I just I need a haircut right now. So I got to hurry up and go to this one place that's open or the people who are like, oh, I've got a party that I'm supposed to go to tonight, so I better go and get my brows waxed this one time, even though I don't ever normally do it because my normal girl is out of town. You know, whatever it is. The prices you choose say a lot about you. And I know there's this idea of like, oh, but if I have lower prices, then people are gonna be like, oh, I'm getting this great deal. I know, I've been there. I had that attitude when I ran my Groupon. I, even after my Groupon, I still had a hard time raising my prices to where they needed to be because I was so scared that charging what I was worth and setting that boundary, because the prices you select, that's a boundary. You're saying, this is what I'm offering you and this is how much you need to be willing to pay in order to get this amazing, incredible, valuable experience with me. Hopefully you're offering an amazing, incredible, valuable experience with your clients. That's another topic for another day though. Uh, so when a client comes in and they're like, oh, this looks so great. Um, by the way, I know you said that you charge 150 for a full set, but my other girl, she only charged me 100 So is it like cool if I just pay you 100 today? No. Yeah. <laughs> it's not. And I know that that kind of thing, like I didn't think things like that would happen because I never walked into Nordstrom up to the mat counter and said, Oh, hey, I know that this lipstick is $17.50, but can I like get it for $13? Is that cool? No. I mean, most of us would never have the audacity to do something like that. But. Except my mom. <laughs> Except my mom. Stop. I, I was, love you, mom. I was just thinking that. <laughs> but listen, your mom, your mom taught me a valuable lesson. Closed mouths don't get fed. This is true. But at least use some boundaries. <laughs> Have some, have some boundaries about when you try to implement that principle. But anyway, um, when uh, so the first time that I had a client come in and ask me something like that, I was not prepared to answer that question at all. So I was just like, uh, um, 
yeah, yeah, I guess this one time, that's okay. Well, there is no just this one time because then they're going to keep coming back and asking for that same, well, you honored that discount last time. Aren't you going to honor that discount this time? And then unfortunately, those are the people who will be like, oh, I know this girl who does lashes. She does them for really cheap. She only does them for X amount. That's all she charges me at least. And then they come in and then they expect to be paid the same thing. No, I wish that I had had a plan ahead of time. That if somebody was like, oh, I know that you said it was going to be this much, but um, now that we're done, can I just pay like 100 No, you can't. You knew the prices. You agreed on this much. It's going to be this much. And if they throw a fit, that's fine. You can always call the police for theft of services. Absolutely. 100%. We'll get into that later. But um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So boundaries. That was a good one. Let's read a Brene Brown quote. Okay. Hold on. Because I love her so much. Okay. Um, Hopefully we'll have Brene Brown on here one day. That'd be cool. That would be awesome. Let's shoot for that goal. Let's make that happen. I think this is one that I read in the last episode. Um, but I'm going to read it again because it's one of my favorite. The most compassionate people I interviewed also have the most well-defined and well-respected boundaries. They ask for what they need. They say no when they need to, and when they say yes, they mean it. They're compassionate because their boundaries keep them out of resentment. Did I talk about me falling into resentment in the last episode? Um, I don't think so. Oh, man. Seriously, you I don't know. I think I did. But just to touch on it again, you do not want to get into a place where you are giving so much of yourself that you are completely depleted and you start resenting your business, you start resenting your career, you start resenting your clients even. Um, I've been there, y'all. And by having boundaries, you will be able to avoid that by recognizing when you need to say no and not being apologetic for it. Because remember, boundaries are part of self-care. Yes, we did talk about this a little bit. But remember that boundaries are part of self-care. And... In order for you to operate a successful aesthetic practice, you have got to be mentally, emotionally, physically healthy, safe. You've got to be balanced. You've got to have boundaries so that you can have those things. Um, Let's keep going. Another one. She says, daring to set boundaries is about having the courage to love ourselves even when we risk disappointing others. We can't base our own worthiness on others' approval. And this is coming from someone who spent years trying to please everyone. Only when we believe deep down that we are enough can we say enough. I love this so much because it really does take courage to stand up and maintain boundaries, whether that's with a client, whether that's with a boss who's trying to get you to take on responsibility that isn't part of your job description or maybe isn't ethical, um, whether it's a coworker who... Is trying to get a little too involved in your personal business or anything like that, it does take courage and it does take a great amount of love for ourselves to stand up and say, hey, I'm not okay with this. Please stop. Or no, I'm not going to do that. Or no, this is the way things operate in this spa. And if you're not able to follow through with these policies, then you're happy to go find somebody else who's a better fit for you. That's hard to do, y'all. I know it is, but that is what keeps you out of resentment. And that's what keeps you out of this dark place where you start thinking that you would, you 
aren't allowed to set boundaries or you don't deserve boundaries because there's something wrong with you because you're not good enough because maybe you're not as talented as you think you are or maybe there are all these other people who are better. So what right do you have? Like you're so new in the industry. You just graduated aesthetic school. You don't have the same kind of experience. Like who are you to ask your clients to please follow through with their home care or, you know, whatever it might be. I promise you that you have every right. Wherever you are in this industry, whatever experience level you have, however many treatments you've done, it, it doesn't matter. You are enough. You have every right to set appropriate boundaries for you, for what's okay for you, what's okay for your business. You are allowed to do that. And I promise that as you believe in yourself and you have the courage to do it, then you're going to have a much more wonderful experience. You're going to be able to find joy, not only in yourself, but also in what you do every day and in your clients. When I um, had to close shop after my car accident, I did not have a single client who I wasn't in love with. I mean, and I mean that in the most appropriate way, but like literally I was crazy about every single one of my clients and I had a huge age, age range. I had people that I knew every little teeny tiny thing about them. I had people that would come in and just want to nap the whole time. It didn't matter because I had worked so hard to set boundaries, to have policies, to stand up for my prices, to focus on those quality clients who not only brought the best energy and income and everything like that to my spa, but also brought the best energy to me because it, it's not just about the money. Like that's where you spend all day, every day. And it needs to be a positive environment for you. You can't be in a toxic environment, but making money and expect to be happy. Like that's not possible. Trust me, you can't. And so I worked so hard to make sure that I had a wonderful understanding and a wonderful relationship and there was a level of trust and authority and respect from each of my clients. And I loved what I did. It was the most devastating thing in the entire world when I got hit by that damn semi truck and I wasn't able to see those clients every week or every two weeks or however often anymore. But it was because I had the courage to let people know what isn't, what it wasn't okay. And these clients would come in and they'd be like, Melissa, I love coming to you because it's professional. Like when I was injured, I stopped doing treatments for a while because I was stuck in California and I unable to travel back to Salt Lake. So I referred my clients to some other people and I came back eventually after a few months and I tried to do treatments again for a little while, which it didn't go well for me physically um, just because of my injuries. But my clients would come in and they'd be like, Lisa, I've missed this so much. It's clean in here. It's professional. I know exactly what to expect because you talk me through the process. There are no surprises. I love that I come in here and I respect you and I know that you respect me as your client. And that wasn't just by chance. That was after implementing my boundaries. And honestly, it took me years to figure these things out, which is why I want y'all to know them now so you don't have to wait so long mm -hmm. to be able to have that kind of a clientele because you deserve that. Like I've heard so many stories of people who, even people that I went to aesthetic school with, 
who paid all the money and went through school and then they just couldn't find joy in it. Like maybe they weren't making as much money as they thought they could, or it was harder to build a clientele than they expected, or they didn't know how to set boundaries. And so they got burned out by clients dictating how much the client was going to pay or what type of treatment they were going to get or the process or anything. Like it's not up to the client to dictate your spa, your rules. One thing that I learned from um, my esthetician, who I currently go to now, Bobby at the Wax Specialist in Torrance, she's the best. Um, we, she and I were talking about this, and she said that one of her bosses, I'll have to have her on the podcast yeah. soon. Let's see. She's but, great. You guys will love her. Yeah. But she, um, she was telling me that one of her bosses that she had when she was a newer esthetician told her from the very beginning, no, when your clients come in, from the first second that they're here, you let them know how to act. You tell them where to put their purse. You tell them where to sit. You tell them how to dress down. Don't just leave it up to your clients. This is up to you because this is your spa, your rules, your treatment room, your rules. And I I love that she, she put it in those plain terms that this manager really understood that yes, again, we work for the client, but ultimately it's under our policies and our protocols, and we don't let the client dictate how things should be. Now, by setting strong boundaries and um, by standing up for your policies, that doesn't mean that you have to be an asshole. That doesn't mean that you're all business, no nonsense. They come in here and it's like, sit down, close your eyes. It's like militant. No, yeah, that's not what it means at all. You can have a wonderful, positive relationship. You can go above and beyond when that's within your boundaries and when you're able to stay compassionate and steer clear of resentment by doing that extra step. You can do those things and still be boundaried. It's just like, where'd she say it? Brene, the most compassionate people I interviewed has all, I interviewed also have the most well-defined and well-respected boundaries. They ask for what they need. They say no when they need to. And when they say yes, they mean it. How many of us have said yes to doing something for a client or for a boss or a coworker or whatever that we neither had the time nor the energy nor the desire nor the willpower nor the means to accomplish Yet we say yes anyway because we feel obligated or we want to show that we're a team player or we can go above and beyond, but then we're just like racked with resentment toward that person. Have you ever been there? Well, you have, you're really good at setting boundaries. (laughs) (laughs) I've been there. Frankly, I'm a police officer, so I don't. But what about in your past life before you became a man in blue? Yeah. So I was a cook at the bowling alley. At one point, aim at bowling in Torrance. Yeah. Uh, manager, Herman. Who <laughs> was the worst? And he'd have me. Um, he'd have you do things, like, ask you to do things that you didn't want to do or you. Was that, yeah, that I, that I didn't want to do that I knew was, like, unethical. Okay, there you go. Like, I'm not going to go into detail. Yeah. Well, and I never, let's be clear, I never like spit in nobody's food. I was really good. I was really good cooking stuff. But. Royal's big on sanitation yeah. for sure. He um, would be a good esthetician. He had me do some stuff though. Like, not, see, now I don't see when you look at me like that. <laughs> like, like, I'm incriminating myself. No, 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 no. no. But you ain't do things like, like, that just wasn't right. Cut corners. Yeah. 
Yeah. I know what you're saying. Yeah. When you, unfortunately that happens a lot in the food industry. So make your own meals at home where you have an eye on everything. Well, no, I was a waitress and there were times where they'd be like, like, no, I know, but I'm just saying like, oh, I know we're supposed to clean out the ice machine tonight, but we'll just wait and do it tomorrow. Or, you know, like things like that, that you're like, no, we really should handle it right now. But then maybe the boss is like, no, we're going home right now. Let's go. We're not doing it. Yeah. You know, which is unfortunate. And even, I mean, things like that happen in the aesthetics industry. Like, I had a boss who asked me to teach a treatment that I had never been trained on. And it wasn't just a, like, brow tint. It was a laser style treatment that... I didn't feel good about teaching it, but my boss was like adamant that I taught it. And I would let her know, like, hey, I haven't been trained. Well, we don't have time to train you. And it's in their, you know, it's in their um, calendar. You've got to teach it. And so fortunately, I was able to talk to another employee and say, hey, I know you've been trained on this. Would you mind just switching with me for that, like, that portion of the class? And it worked out. And I didn't have to do something that I didn't believe was ethical but I also didn't have the balls at that point to say that to my manager's face I kind of went behind her back and arranged the situation behind her back and I don't think she ever even knew that I wasn't the one who didn't do that assignment um but I'm grateful that I was able to find a way around it because I, first of all, would have had resentment toward her, but I also would have had resentment toward myself for not being strong enough to stand up and set those boundaries to protect, you know, my job or protect my responsibilities within my job. Um, So I feel like we've gone off on some tangents during this episode for sure. Yes, For sure. But listen, this is us. This is Royal and Melissa. And my manager just says that my manager at AMF's name was changed for purposes. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's not his real name. But that manager isn't even there anymore, right? No, but he still works for AMF. Oh, okay. So, well, yeah. interesting. Yeah. Anyway, um, I guess the point is just you've got to have boundaries. And I know... At we kind of mentioned like, oh, they transition into real life too. And I know we've stayed pretty true to like boundaries in aesthetics specifically. Um, but we'll have more discussions about boundaries and how they do apply to your personal life as well. Because if you aren't able to maintain strong boundaries in your personal life with the people that you're most comfortable with or in scenarios that you're where you're the most comfortable, it can be difficult to maintain boundaries at work. Exactly. Um, or with authority figures like bosses and sometimes I mean and I know that sometimes like especially when you're new in the field of aesthetics it can be easy to see your clients almost as an authority figure as well but remember that you're actually the authority figure you are the professional you're the one with the license in hand you're the one who has gone through hundreds of hours of education who has had to pass extremely difficult tests you are the one who knows how things should operate within your treatment room or within your spa facility. So have confidence in yourself. Have confidence in the boundaries that you know you need to set. And 
Be willing to let people who don't respect those boundaries walk out your door. I know that's scary. I know that's so hard to deal with, especially when you're new and you're like dying for clients. And I mean, I don't even know how I didn't starve to death when I when I had my spa at one point, like after I cut my hours and other jobs and it was just me at my spa and I was like, I have no clients. I thought I did, but I don't. Um, but I was willing to let people walk away who weren't the quality clients that I knew I needed to hold out for. So find your balance, find ways to set boundaries that work for you. Let us know if you have any questions about that. We'd love to hear your feedback. Um, if you haven't already subscribed to the podcast, then please go ahead and do that. Leave us a comment. We'd love to, again, hear your feedback or answer any questions that you have. So thanks for listening. Thank you for listening. Oh, yeah. In the next episode, watch that. It's going to be about balance. Yes. We're going to dive deeper into balance. Yes. All right. So, yeah. so thank you guys for listening to the Spot Strong Podcast. And you'll hear us talk soon. Bye. Bye.